Hello guys and welcome to the Moose Review episode three. We have made it to the international break. We've made it three episodes in, but lots to talk about this week. Maybe not as much football, maybe not as much Premier League, but we've got loads to talk about. Charlie, what have you been up to, mate? Well, apart from literally being on the edge of my seat all yesterday with the F1, oh, that was a breath of fresh air after, as always, let's be honest, the international break is just, <laughs> yeah, England's games, let's just let's just keep it there. But we'll, of course, yeah. highlight a few, maybe a few of the players sort of post from that side. But our guest this week, all the way from the other side of the world, mate, week three and we're already getting guests. We're going, we're getting <laughs> intercontinental, whatever you want to call it, from that side. It's... Greg Stobart, Digital Content Manager for the ECB. Greg used to be in football, really, really interested to sort of see from his side of things, how he sort of sits within an organization, talking about his way of, you know, from marketing and, and through to the social platforms and also what he does with the England players. Stay tuned for that. But Alex, F1, I've just got to say it, just how good was it yesterday? It's it was so good yesterday. Uh, I think that the, the cool thing about F one and you've made this note here is about the drive to survive has really lifted it a little bit. I think that because everyone's kind of got this connection now to the drivers, you're starting to learn a bit more about them. I think you've got that connection because it is it's one of those sports that is really separated from everyone else. It's not a sport that you can just go down to the park and do. It's not got that connection with football, so it's really tough to get a connection. But the drive to survive has really helped with that. And, and yesterday, the whole part of it, everything from Lewis Hamilton come from 10th all the way through, all the little sub-stories of, of who he's going past, and you've kind of got that relation to it. But it was absolutely quality. It was great to see. It had a bit of everything. It had so many overtakes. It had the, you know, adding in the sprint weekend, I think, made it a little bit, forget the controversies around it, adding those little bits of extra stuff in there was really good to see and obviously Lewis Hamilton winning we noticed yesterday as well we've got an old friend who used to play football with a long long time ago tap on Lewis Hamilton he works in the Mercedes garage now so we spotted him yesterday so good weekend for Dan King and Mercedes this week but no it was really good to watch wasn't it mate love that shout out to Dan King that's that's brilliant he's a <laughs> if we can get him on the podcast when Mercedes take the crown in Abu Dhabi that that would not be bad at all but um yeah. no I think what from that side of things and, and sort of to go straight into my kind of moose of the week and kind of look at it as a, a general overview and I'll, I'll tease our uh, listeners, viewers to the end with my moose of the week. But F1, from where it sort of sits and what it's doing from just sort of the narrative it tells on a, you know, a linear platform, Sky's coverage, unbelievable. Like the, the, the way they pit each other up against, you know, Verstappen, Hamilton, the back and forth, if you follow it on Twitter, you follow it through, you know, TikTok, Instagram from that side, the drivers, the drivers actual platforms are going to say this are not massively entertaining. I think Lando Norris kind of leads the way from that side. You, you, you mentioned it a few weeks ago, Alex, what he does with his Twitch and, and his races there. Hamilton and Verstappen is very much like a bring a football terminology yeah. in, but United or Chelsea or something like that kind of sits there very clean and, you know, pushes the right agendas forward, but there's nothing that, lights it up but f1 as a whole that is kind of like as i'm looking at it from their channels with with toto wolf with his reaction to when lewis takes the lead i don't know if you've seen it alex but we'll it's bring brilliant it it's quality viewers it, it that is when they said f1 with mood and that and he points at the camera that, that's the sort of memes the clips they're taking the sport forward liberty group has done that it's a us backing 
I've been lucky enough to work at F1s and it's a sort of circus kind of atmosphere. They go to it each race, each week. And the way they've been able to take the sport from Bernie Eccleston to Liberty Group Media and to be able to do that, um, I think, as you're about to say, with the memes that are about to show our, our viewers, that is that is really what it's about. It it creates that narrative. Yeah. This one's not quite my moose of the week, but just Alpine put this out with everything going on this weekend. And just using this little meme that I'm going to pop up right there, mentioning that Alonso's getting P1, I think it was for the sprint, but it was all this kind of stuff going around it. The thing that kind of frustrates me as much as how good of a piece of content that is and as a as a race team to put that out is that that needs to be, like you mentioned there, that needs to be a driver and not just that. These memes, all this stuff go out, we know for a fact footballers, golfers, cricketers, F1 drivers are all in WhatsApp groups and they're all getting them shared to each other. They're all getting this out there. They're all realising this. I'm not going to mention names, but with people I worked with over the summer, he was telling me about a certain manager that had been sacked. He was seeing all these memes and he's laughing at them and he's joking and they're all sending them back and forth. And what would be amazing is just share it on your socials. It's things that are going, obviously, there is obviously a line with it all. You can't go too far with it. But at the same time, if there's something funny that's not ridiculous, that's not too far, put it on your socials. Show people that you're seeing these memes that are going around, whether it's even taking the mic out yourself, taking, you know, whatever it would be, put it out there. That one that was this week, this Alpine one, if that was Fernando Alonso tweeting that, that does 10 times the amount of views. That does 10 times the amount of reach. And not only that, is it'll connect with the audience even better, knowing that it's him that's done it. And they're the little things that I'm, I wish that it's not a big strategy concept. We talk a lot about can, can players do more long-form stuff? Can they get involved in podcasts? Can they do all these things? But little things like that on Twitter, on Instagram stories, can make all the difference. And you've seen that in the past. You'll We talk about TikTok in, in, in coming up. But it's the simple behind-the-scenes, day-to-day stuff that connect with the audience. And we want to see more of that. And I really want to see more players, more drivers, more athletes, whatever they are, sharing these things on Twitter, sharing them on Instagram, and it will really boost them. And perfect for our upcoming guest um which is greg later on with cricket um obviously uh, england cricketers and and you know international cricketers are going from the world cup in dubai and now on to sort of the winter with obviously the ashes coming up at the start of december ben stokes here picture of his kids at the door as he heads off for the ashes mark spoke about it last week um and i'm sure greg will explain it further later on is that this is ben stokes this is him taking a picture of his kids. He's leaving, you know, re- it's it's really hot. Like, yes, okay, they get paid, you know, different wages to what me and you do, Alex, from that side of things. Yeah. He's taking a picture of his kids. It's it's put together by him. You can see by the tweet and the way he's worded it. And he's leaving his kids and not seeing them until January. That's the sort of things that we want to see. Of course it is. That's that's all the stuff that we want. You know, so you want to have that connection. And, and people hiding away from that, I think people... For too often, go. Do you know what? I shouldn't be posting, uh, you know, a picture of a family. It's not what I want to do. I'm not doing Instagram stories. We had Joel on the first week. who said that, you know, he doesn't hide away from. He's got a very, I'm not going to say commercial account. That's not the right way of doing it. But he's got a very, a business account that he uses for his Instagram. He posts a lot about his events. He goes to post a lot about the work that he does. He doesn't hide away from showing his kids and things like that because that's who he is. And that's what should be going on these these 
these professional athletes' social media as well. If they want to post about their kids, if they want to do that, that is an, a perfect example of doing it. And Ben Stokes has, has put it on the nail on the head there of really, you know, showing to people, look, going away for three months over Christmas as well. COVID's obviously made things 10 times harder with all this kind of stuff. Maybe, you know, families in the past could have travelled or whatever. They can't do that anymore. It really hits home and it makes it much more relatable when you're watching this on TV, when you're watching this 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 test series that's going to go on. You understand not only the sacrifice they're doing physically and all that, but they are doing it more. They are missing the families and all that kind of stuff. And it's the perfect thing that people should be posting about. And then, obviously, with quarantine, the players are already out there in Australia. Um, I'm very intrigued to hear how Greg's surviving quarantine life yeah. as well. Um, but the triangle of positivity, massive shout out <laughs> on that. Look at that there. That is basically the England players. They are fed up. They've been stuck in there um, for, you know, days from that side of things. And they've got two weeks of quarantine out in Australia. The triangle of positivity is basically trying to keep the boys together. Stuart Broad started it. He's then tagging Jack Leach. The, you've seen them at the gym as well. Again, you're broadcasting the journey. You, you, it's the... You know, they're fed up and this is sort of this is who I am so no I think the England cricketers are really sort of that's a, that's a great balance there I hate to do it but have to have to bring it on to football because it is my move of the week yeah but the first point this is like 101 on why I started the business and I always use this as an example Conor Gallagher has been unbelievable this season and he gets his England call up rightly so and this post is exactly what Mark highlighted last week. It's literally been written by a, a media agency from that side of things. And it's just, it's like Conor Gallagher knows that he's going to get a call up to the England team, right? He gets the, that call that the, the players have spoken about where they get a message or they get whatever it is from the FA now these days from that side of things. If he's got a management team behind him, which he does, he, he's owned by a big agency, like, Again, just to what we said with Tyson Fury, why not go down to his family's house, his mom, his dad, whoever means what, whoever it is, his gran, whoever it is that he's close to, and get him walking in, get his brother filming it on his phone. He comes in. I've just been called up to the England team. You know, feel that emotion. Like, yes, it's pre-rehearsed. Yes, it's that side of things. But imagine that as a video, because yeah. the flip side to what my moose of the week is is of course it's Mason Mount getting his teeth taken out. And just to use that as both sort of comparisons, and I know you'll come on to a TikTok side in a minute, Alex, is that that was one video of Mason Mount having his wisdom teeth taken out. That's his, I think it sounds like his mum, I'm going to predict, that is filming that yeah. in the back of the taxi. And as soon as that goes out, this is the way media is going forward. It gets picked up by Sport Bible, it gets picked up by Sky Sports, BBC, they credit it to Mason and like, yes, you could say that, you know, he wants more people on his TikTok and it could have just stayed there and obviously put on his Instagram as well. And then it kind of sort of was a bit of a, a collation, but that is who he is. And like yep. that is filmed by his family member. And that is again, why I wanted to, I want to sit there and say like, this, this is what you could be doing different. I sat with an agency before the Euros and said to them, like, what are you doing for this player? An England player like when he joins TikTok, well, well, we're just going to do sort of a, a skill challenge from that perspective. Well, no, why don't you get like that player and his mate or that player and his brother or even myself with a phone and just let the moment happen? And that's that's what's happened with Mason. Connor is trying to build his brand 
and he sits there with a post like that going into the England team. It drives me mental. I'm sorry, but that, it, like you said, it's so simple. You could flip that round. You're obviously sat with someone. You've got the message through. Just put on speakerphone your phone when you phone your mum. Like that's that's what that's the video. Or I've seen something yesterday. Now this is nothing to do with sport, but it's literally a bar poster where someone said, "Can you do this poster for me?" And all they've done is they printed out the iMessages and put it onto put it onto a bar poster. Brilliant marketing outside of football. But if you're getting a text through from the FA, why not screenshot it and then screen record you sending it over WhatsApp to your family group chat? Like something as simple. It doesn't need to be a video. It doesn't need to be anything mad. But just doing something like that that at least shows I've just shared one of the proudest moments of my life with my family, which I'm sure they've done. I'm sure they will have done. But show the world that. I said it doesn't need to be. We'll talk about different ways of doing it. It would be great if you could do a video. It would be great if you could do that, if you get someone to do it. But otherwise, share the screenshot of you putting it into the family group chat, even if it's not a video. At yeah. least has something more than so proud to be called up for England. I mean, come yeah. on. More than that. Anyway, on to your moose of the week. And I think it's quite a nice sort of transition across because, yeah. Yeah, so my moose of the week, I think most people watching this will know me, if especially my side of doing stuff on, online and doing stuff is, is mainly around football. But my, my main thing is golf. And that's what I've grown up playing, still managing to cling on to a scratch handicap as, as I'm going. And I'm talking this week about Bryson DeChambeau. Uh, he stepped out of his comfort zone on TikTok this week, uh, posting a video of him and Michelle Wee dancing. Uh, I think it was an, a, an event, but just doing that, doing a TikTok dance and stuff like that, really stepping out of his comfort zone. And, may, and to be honest, look, no one really knows who Bryson is, but that might be his personality is that's what he's doing. And he smashed it there. But I think what I really want to talk about what Bryson's done, I think him, he's done it spot on, is he's now lent into this, this rivalry that's brought up. Now, let me give you a bit of background about this rivalry. So Bryson DeChambeau and Brooks Kepka, two of probably the top five golfers in the world. Bryson DeChambeau winning the US Open last year. Brooks Kepka winning majors over the last few years. They're two of the best golfers in the world. I don't think they get on, though. I don't think consistently they've got on. There was the viral clip this year, and I'll pop it up there, of um, Bryson walking past um, Brooks doing an interview and Brooks completely rolling his eyes. And this kind of got going. And the crowd started chanting at an event when Bryson was teeing off, come on, Brooksy. He had a bad reaction to that and started getting kicked, people kicked out. And it was bad. It wasn't good. It wasn't doing well for the game because they weren't having a lighthearted thing. Since then, they've played in the Ryder Cup together. And I think they've kind of gone, look, I'm hoping they've got together and gone, look, we need to use this. We we are the best, some of the best golfers in the world. Don't need to get on, but let's at least have a bit of fun with it. There's been T-shirts at the Ryder Cup with Step Brothers stuff. Fantastic. But what Bro Bryson's done perfectly on his TikTok, he's done daft things about doing like, he's done a swing video of him hitting uh, Brooks's head across the, across, the, across the driving range. Little things like that are, are what you want to see. And Bryson's doing a great job of leaning into his personality now. He wasn't the most liked figure on tour. He was very meticulous. He was slow. And he was also doing things that are, very different he, you know he's doing all this different stuff he's he's very you know he's he's very scientific in what he does and people weren't really connecting with him but now he's leaning into that a little bit now he's actually showing the, the behind the scenes he's now talking about his process he's showing that he wants to get a longer drive he's working with long drive guys the long drive guys are better on socials as well he's using those collaborations he's absolutely smashing it and for now 
people have gone away from being, oh, it's Bryson, the boring golfer that's put a bit of weight on and starts throwing, hitting the ball miles. They're now seeing who Bryson DeChambeau is. And from that, he'll start to have a bit of a better following. He's starting to, people are starting to relate to him and go, do you know what? I like him. I'm going to start supporting him. And from six to eight months ago, people going, why is he throwing people out for saying Brooksy behind him? They've now learned into this and it's the perfect thing to grow the game of golf because, you know, since Tiger, there's not really been that personality and to get a couple of them together, getting them to do this is fantastic. And the fact as well that now as well, from a you know broadcast perspective, from a linear side of things for that older generation, you've now got the match, which is coming up yeah. and that's, you know, the, the revenue there that's then created, you've got, you know, the older audience from that side, it, I, I, the last time I'd actually heard about this, I was working at CNN during the summer um, and just helping them out from that side. And this was sort of the the follow-on story. So it was the British Open just after the Euros and I've been helping yeah. out the Euros from that side. And that's where, you know, they were building up this sort of rivalry. That's what, you know, sort of broadcast media loves that rivalry. And that's what F1, as we've just mentioned, that's what's going on at the moment. That that engages viewers. The fact that they've gone and done that with a match um, it's fascinating, but what I wanted to say to you, because we spoke about this before when we were sort of talking through our notes, is that I'm not a massive golf fan, but I asked you, I said, is is Brooks, you know, is he a better player? Is he is he sort of, is he more successful? And you, you said, why? I said, because he's got more following on, on Instagram. But from my side of things, we've not really known too much about them and only ever really seen, you know, the viral clips and the, the media interest from that side. Like, Bryson's management and how he sort of sits on that channel, you know, he's got a YouTube channel, he's got a TikTok channel. It it shows him as a golfer, and then as you say with the dancing, it shows him as a human being. Compared to Brooks, I know Brooks is trying, and I know you know there's a nice picture that we'll bring up here of him with the trophies around him, sort of you know saying this sort of talks for itself. Like that is a really interesting dynamic that we're. Ba- yeah. Would you say in golf that basically? It's still that what they do, I guess, on the, I know it's not on the pitch, but what they do on the course from, from that side, that is, that's more important than, you know, where they sort of sit. If Bryson is to win this match, do you think he could go past Brooks from that side of things? I think, I think the one thing with it all is that I think there's, we'll find out all the way through this, talking to athletes, the more successful you are on the pitch, whatever you post on socials, you're going to grow in terms of, of following. I think that, We've looked at this even in the, you know, just look going back to a Man United standpoint, I think that just people joining Manchester United Football Club and what that does for them in terms of their following goes ridiculous. You know, you can get half a million followers for having one appearance for Manchester United. That's kind of what you can do now with, with the power of these clubs will have. And Brooks has been more successful over the past few years. He's done well. He's never really had that relatability with fans. I think that's the one thing he's never done. He's, he's openly said... He doesn't really enjoy golf that much. He's just good at it kind of thing. That's kind of his kind of uh, his his personality as well. And he also mentions things that, you know, he's he's a big game player and, he, you know, he does well in majors and doesn't do well in the, the local tournaments and the smaller tournaments. In terms of Bryson, Bryson's been growing and he's been kind of growing and growing and growing in terms of how good he is. He came out of college very well, but took maybe a little bit slower than he maybe expected. He's now getting to that level where he's probably on power or ahead of Brooks. He's been number one golfer in the world for a couple of times in the last past couple of years. So for Bryson now, in terms of his golf, he's definitely levelling up to that. But I think what's interesting is that, look, the, his social media will help him. And when he's at that level, it will definitely help him to get 
the brand deals or the, the narrative that he wants to say out there may not increase his reach too much, but it will get his narrative better. That's the main thing. But what I will say is that if you aren't the biggest golfer, if you aren't one of the top five golfers in the world, if you are someone that's 50th, 100th, 1,000th, whatever it would be, if you were following how Bryson does things and get your personality there, that's where it opens doors for you. That's where you get a sponsor's invite because your social media is good and you are good, at, still good at golf. You still work your way there, but all those things can help. And that's the difference. I think the what you need to do is take your moments because you can in golf. It's, it's not as easy. You know, we talked about F1 today. F1 is not scripted, but you can know there's 24 drivers out there. You're either going to be in a winning car or not. You know when your moment's going to be. You know at the start of the season, I'm in this car. I'm going to do that. Golf isn't like that. Golf can be you qualifying for an event last minute, and then all of a sudden you're leading. I've seen this. You know, you've seen this year. There's been a couple of the English guys who've done well, and all of a sudden they're in the top five of the US Open, and now they're open to all these different people. And the ones that take advantage of it will do well. My favourite golfer out there at the minute is a local lad to, to Manchester, is Marcus Armitage, who's had a good season. He's had a couple of good things. But then he posts things on Twitter that are absolutely hilarious, and that will raise his profile again, and he'll get more and more off that. He'll get people following him, and that's the difference. It's not it's not necessarily these top golfers in the world. The top golfers, the top footballers, the top, top of the top I'm talking here, the top 10 in the world, don't need to do anything. Cristiano Ronaldo is good on his social media, but it's more because he's the best player in the world that he's the most followed. That's the main thing. But if you're that level below or even the level below that, if you can take your moments in this, if you can capitalise on a good performance on the golf course, a, a race win, whatever that would be, a viral moment that goes on a different platform, if you can capitalise on that, that's what makes the difference. And I think that's where Bryson is starting to have everything come together. But I think if if he'd have done this even earlier, if he'd have started this as he started to do this process or whatever, maybe 12 months in advance, he'd have been at a different level. He'd have been probably on par with Brooks in terms of followers from that first time. Love it. No, and listen, I think you, you've hit the nail on the head there and you can tell how passionate you are about it from a <laughs> from a golf perspective. And, and now for us to really hear from, I guess, an organisation perspective, um, we've got, yeah, who have we got coming up? We've got Greg, who's talking from the ECB. Going to be fascinating to speak to him about everything England cricket and what's going to be going on this summer. Let's see. Right, it's part two of the podcast, and we are joined from the Gold Coast by Mr. Greg Stobart. Thank you, mate, for coming on. I mean, what time is it there to begin with? It's ten past seven. Um, seven o'clock was dinner time. Seven till eight thirty. So don't keep me too long. But yeah, 10 hour time difference has made it a bit of a challenge uh, for work and a few other things, but uh, good to be on. And thank you for getting up early days. No, me. listen, well, we've, we've already spoke about you a bit, just with obviously what the, the boys are doing out there. But rather than me introing you, because I've known you for, for far too long, what is your exact role with the ECB and what are you doing out in Australia at the moment? Yeah, so I am digital content manager at the ECB. Um, so I manage a team and agency resource which cover England men and women and disability teams, all of our ECB domestic competitions uh, and our participation programmes as well. Um, but one key part of my role and one role I was doing for about 
three years was England's uh, England men's team uh, full time coverage. So I've actually this is actually my swan song. It's my last big tour away from home um, because I've got to manage too much too much back at Lords. Um, but I've spent about three and a half years on the road with the England men's team, World Cup wins, all that stuff. Um, and I'm on the ground at the moment with the team, delivering a lot or most of our digital content for uh, the ECB website, ECB app, and of course, social media channels, uh, our England cricket social media channels as well. Why I was really interested to get you on the, the podcast from that side of things is to understand more as you sort of take that role and as these social media platforms, these key marketing tools, if you, as you've said to all, you know, your role from a marketing aspect. And I was having a look at the ECB and I kind of just wanted to explore further from, you know, you've got the likes of TikTok that's very now prominent, you know, a lot of brands are now working with TikTok on that side of things. But then also from an ECB perspective, when I was having a look this morning, there's a lot that sits on the website from a long form aspect, but also a short form. And then also from Instagram, I was really impressed by what um, England cricket had done from a real perspective. And obviously you've got those sort of moments. You've also got the, the sort of comedy moments as well. Um, and we'll come on to obviously what the players are doing. We, we spoke about earlier in Moose of the Week on that side. But just to sort of kind of summarise all that and put it to you, how do you sort of see it from that aspect where, where sort of cricket obviously isn't, you know, the number one sport, the number two sport from that aspect? How are you looking at it from a, a visionary perspective of how you're using these marketing tools and what is the ECB? Is it to keep everything on the website from that side and, and go forward with that? Okay, I'll try and break this down. Feel free to interrupt me and engage uh, and remind me if I'm going off track a little bit. Um, the first thing for us when we're creating anything is what's the audience? Who are we creating this for? On the England cricket channels, we have three key audiences, but one you can lump in as our core audience. They're people who love cricket, engage with cricket. They might go to cricket, buy tickets. They'll watch cricket on TV. They probably subscribe to Sky Sports. They'll stay up a bit of the night to watch the Ashes or wake up early. They'll look at their phones. That's our cricket, high affinity cricket audience. Our secondary audience is we is an audience um, that would see cricket as their second sport, their summer sport. They're football fans who like the odd T20 a day out. They know who Ben Stokes and Jimmy Anderson are and they'll watch it on TV when it's on or on a lazy Sunday. And how do we engage them? And we have different content strategies for all our audiences. And we have several audiences across the whole portfolio because it's a portfolio approach. So the 100, we have a very different target audience because that's entry level. That's your that's our route for new people to come into cricket. With the England cricket channels, it's more people who are already conscious of cricket, aware of cricket, and we can engage them in a different way. Because someone who's going to their first game at 100 doesn't care about Jimmy Anderson's master of swing, but someone who watches consumes everything we create and they go to games and they watch as much cricket as they can they do so it's creating content for different audiences that's your starting point then your second point is where those audiences are and how you can what content um connects with them 
and then how you use different platforms. And I won't bore you, you know what works on each platform, whether that's three minute videos on Facebook or Reels on Instagram or TikTok, uh, which you can ask me about TikTok later because we're not actually on TikTok, but I've got. Yeah, sorry, just, just to interrupt quickly on that. That's what I was, that I wanted to just follow up on that just because if you can add that into the answer, when I was looking this, this morning, the 17 players that have been selected for the Ashes, not one of them's on TikTok. And then I obviously looked for England cricket. So just to throw that in there, and I'm not, not trying to make you sweat too much over there on the Gold Coast, but what, what is the reason for that? Because to me, straight away, cricket to me is an older audience. And you might tell me wrong from that side of things. I'll be honest, I don't know the full sort of aspect and the breakdown, and I'm sure you do in your role. But like TikTok is obviously such a young audience. And when I was typing those players' names in, a lot of clips were coming up of them of obviously cricket fans from you know sort of different regions from there so yeah TikTok as well can you uh can you just add that into the equation please so the one thing i do not want to do on TikTok is repost content that we're posting on other platforms uh because then you'll end up just duplicating your audience anyway yeah i'd like and like i said before we're we're thinking audience first we're thinking what connects with this audience so if we're on TikTok, it's a different audience the audience is younger they're newer to cricket they're into different different kinds of content there's no point in us posting training reels a bit of behind the scenes a bit of jimmy anderson on tiktok that isn't what we want to do with that platform even when we get onto it we want to be creating content for that audience which is a little bit younger slightly more female skewed as well uh, and we have had conversations with them as well um and it's a really creative platform um so as far as i'm concerned it will take a lot of time and effort to actually do TikTok properly. And that's a big part of my thinking as well when it comes to TikTok. I think there's value there. I can see it. Um, I don't think we're losing loads by not being on there. I think there's more of an argument for the 100 than there is for England cricket. And what I'd really want to do is have people like Jofra or Stokesy or some of our big names who are creative and fun and can connect and speak directly to an audience on TikTok than us just reposting stuff that we put on Reels where we have two million followers anyway. Um, and again, it comes back to audience first and what we're trying to do, what's the conversion funnel. So if we get a follower or a view on TikTok, what are we trying to do with them? Are they different to um, the consumer we have on Instagram? Are we trying to get them on the ECB website? You know, what's the, what's the purpose of it other than just general reach? Um, and at the moment, we're not quite there with the proposition to launch on TikTok authentically, put the effort in, put the creativity in to really make it sing as we'd want it to. Um, but one thing I would say, I think of all the social media platforms, TikTok's the most exciting for a long time. And I do see a lot of value in it. But if you're going to do it, do it properly. And I don't want to half-ass it. What I wanted to say as well, what I was really impressed with was that the different type of content ideas you've done across both the men's and women's game from that side of things, Greg, could you sort of talk through more from that side? Um, and I have to say as well, great highlight was obviously last year with um, around COVID and sort of the weight I thought from a long form piece of content and that obviously sat on the website from that side, but getting Stephen Fry involved and you can sort of talk, talk our audience to that. But then also was just looking at different ideas um, just to highlight sort of, you know, the chain game and, and those sort of content ideas. How do you guys sort of, when you're having these meetings and sort of planning forward, um, how do you sort of, yeah, how do we ECB sit from that perspective? So from a content planning point of view, 
it's a tough one with cricket because we never stop playing. So we have men's and women's teams that are playing generally about 11 months a year. And then we have a, we have about a month a year where there's not a lot of cricket, which is we try and be always on, but we kind of naturally end up being always on because there's just so much cricket happening. Um, and one of the challenges we have with the men's and women's team is we share an account and it's something we can talk about as well because we've had lots of debates about do we have separate accounts for the men's and women's team and ultimately we just about landed and we keep landing on it's one badge it's one team they wear the same cap uh, and we have room to represent them together and we can use our men's audience to grow the women's game um but in terms of content ideas it comes down to a few things one is the way we're set up so we have full-time uh, content editors embedded with the england men's and women's teams in normal times we'd have a videographer regularly around the team. We haven't been able to do that in the last 18 months for obvious reasons, uh, but we would do, especially in the English summer. And I think one of the joys of that is we get to know the players. I've spent three, three and a half, four years around these players. So we know the stories, we know the personalities and we know the ideas that work. So we backward rationalise, knowing the players, knowing what who would be into a fun, something fun or something crickety. Uh, plus the audience and again it starts with the audience so when you talk about something like the chain game that's for our audience that are a bit lighter on cricket they're into white ball cricket they have football as their first sport and they like a bit of cricket and they think Josh Butler's a great player and it's perfect for that kind of audience it's a bit lighter it's a bit um, more personality based than more crickety intense where, where you're saying there um with sort of that personal content and then where it sits just to, to come full circle to what I asked at the start. And I know it was a broad question, but with sort of the website and socials and obviously from a organization to an athlete perspective, how do you, um, how does ECB see that sort of from is, is website key from that side of things and the players sort of, you know, bring an audience as you've highlighted throughout this, do they, do they sort of drive the audience from that side on their socials? Yeah, and the players are the talent. They're the they're the people that our audience care about, um, and everyone knows that. And the website and own channels, including the app as well, and we have a few apps, are increasingly important to us and to most most governing bodies and sports teams as well. Social is amazing for reach, but increasingly, uh, you've got to start looking at it as the top of the funnel because you're only ever an algorithm change away or a Facebook meta, whatever we're going to call them now, decision away from losing a massive chunk of your audience and your reach and your engagement uh, and forget the commercial implications of that. And for us, by getting people on the website, we can, A, we can learn about them. Let's be honest, we can data points, all that kind of stuff. Um, but two, we can engage them as fully as we want, as we possibly can, whether that's um, trying to sell them tickets, whether that's uh, offering them content that we know they want or we know they value. Uh, and you can't do that on Twitter because you don't have the data and you don't own the data and you don't, uh, you can't control that. Um, the other thing, the website is we have you know, in sports media, there are so many competing elements. We've got national newspapers, you've got broadcasters, rights holders. Um, but ultimately, we want to 
win the battle for attention from our from our audience and we have great means to do it in the fact that we have live clips and highlights in the summer and we have access to the players like i mentioned before um and it's a real chance to get people on our website and really engaging with our content and ultimately you know we don't judge our website a lot by things like page views anymore we're looking at bounce rate dwell time we want them to watch five videos when they come to the website and we're trying to create and evolve the product so that they become as strong as possible equally one way that we've done that this year is with live streaming so with our domestic competitions um county championship royal london cup and vitality blast we've been live streaming uh, all of our all the games that weren't on sky over the summer so creating a really engaged audience who come to our website to watch cricket and engage with cricket uh, and when once they do that um we're able to engage them in other, and it's not its not really cynical marketing trying to sell them tickets, it's because we want to engage them and give them something that we know they want. These are cricket fans who love cricket. If we know they're watching a live stream, we can offer them other content that we know they'll be interested in as well. Uh, and you can't do that on social media where you don't have the data, um, you don't have control of the algorithms, anything like that. Uh, and that's a key part of our business and what we're trying to do. And there are commercial elements to that too. Um, but I don't think we're alone in that. I think you'll see that with most, especially the last year or so, you'll see that with most football teams are evolving into a model where socials for reach and for engagement and the, to celebrate the, the big moments, you want to be doing that on social, not hiding it away on your website. Um, but there's a massive value in caring and looking after your own channels. Um, and for me, a lot of, a lot of brands and a lot of sports brands and teams undervalue their own channels because that's the one thing that you can really control and you can't control social media. You can't control reactions on there either. Um, and for us, it's been a bit of a mental shift in the last couple of years because we were all reach, 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 social, 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 and we get huge numbers, but on the website, the numbers are lower, but it's a lot more engaged and a lot more targeted. Uh, and a lot more in line with what our audience, our target audiences might be to grow the game in the UK as well. Um, on social, we have a fair number of followers who are from the subcontinent, for example, which is great because we're growing the game and we want to grow the game worldwide and engage everyone. But ultimately what we're trying to do is grow the game in England, Wales, Scotland and UK. And we're able to do that more on our website. That's interesting. You mentioned growing the game a lot and, and being in part of sport. I said my background is golf and you talk about the responsibility of of the, the ECB and, and of the organisations to grow that. How much of that responsibility do you think is more on maybe on the players? You talked about them being the talent, they're the personality. What's your advice talking to the players and what they should be posting in terms of growing the game? And do you have any advice? Do you give them advice of we need you to keep putting this content out? Do you need to keep doing that? Because like you mentioned there, it's all well and good that you know the organisations do it, but is it more of a responsibility onto the players to, to grow the game? Yeah, so the players feel a huge responsibility. Um, and they don't just want to grow the game, they want to grow the game in the right way, which is, for example, to make it more representative of society. And there's a lot of stories out in the media at the moment about cricket. Um, and they feel genuine, they genuinely care about that. 
and they talk about it a lot as well. And I think they know that they have a platform to do that. The complexity comes with the fact that one, some players aren't natural on social media. Uh, and some of them are high profile players who you'd want to be able to use their social media um, accounts. Um, and two is the nature of social media. And obviously we had the boycott um, earlier in the year, which our players and we engaged in as well. Um, there's, uh, there are a few, you know, there's lots of different personalities within a dressing room. And for some players, they don't want to open their phone and read about everyone thinking they should be dropped or they're rubbish or they're past it, or they might be retiring next year. Um, and it's not as easy. And Gary Neville has been ranting about it for a few weeks now. It's not as easy. And all of our players manage their own social media accounts, by the way, but it's not as easy as just being able to express yourself when if you're emotionally not in a place where you want to read that kind of content. So my advice to players is quite simple, really. It's only do it if you're feeling emotionally healthy to do it. Test cricket is, in particular is really hard. And when players are struggling in test cricket or players are on a long tour, we're in Australia for three months now. It's not the same as football. Um, there shouldn't be any pressure on players to to have to do that kind of stuff. Um, but I speak to players a lot. And if you look at Stuart Broad, for example, and Jack Leach and Ben Stokes over the last couple of weeks, what they're doing is exactly what I would tell them to do, which is be authentic. You know, don't be anything other than yourself. And they'll have, they're looking forward to the game, great result, disappointed to lose posts. But what you've been seeing in the last couple of weeks with our guys, the ones who are using social media is they're being themselves and they're having a bit of fun with it, which is what we really wanted to be and is what social media was supposed to be in the first place. And, you know, when, when the platforms all launched, when Facebook page and Twitter launched, it became an amazing opportunity for athletes to communicate directly with their fans, which they hadn't been able to do before. They used to have to speak to a newspaper or a broadcaster to do that. Um, now they can speak to direct to the fans and there's kind of been a bit of a loop where it became so tiresome and there's so much grief that they didn't want to do it, a lot of them. But when they're in a headspace to be themselves and be authentic and express themselves and express yourself is one of the key things with a lot of our teams, both of our teams, white ball and red ball, when they're in a position to actually express themselves, they can really connect with an audience which no England cricket posts could ever do. No Man United post could ever do it for a player. Um, no England football, who are brilliant, by the way, no, they could never do that because that is the direct communication between athlete and audience. And engagement on all those social posts are always much higher than they would be for the brand posts. But also it's because people want to know these guys. They want to connect with them. They want to know what they're up to. They actually care that Stuart Broad's having a different yogurt for breakfast today. Um, but how can you tell that story and communicate with fans in a way where it's being yourself? And the best, the best in our teams, at, in our 
cricket teams, that's it, are the ones who just they express themselves in a way where they're not thinking about how they're going to be perceived and how they're going to be judged and how people are thinking of them. And that's really hard when you've got hundreds of thousands or millions of followers on social. Um, and it's really hard if you're not mentally strong enough to cope with some of the reactions you're going to get from some of this stuff. It's, re- it's really interesting though, Greg, that as I'm listening to you saying this and, and thinking about cricket and kind of putting it in that sort of almost that F1 perspective as well. And one of my favorite documentaries is The Edge um, because of how it, how it sort of, it travels with that England cricket team and and what they did and basically what, you know, obviously Jonathan Trott went through and, and players like that. Um, and I think that is a massive advocate for the sport and where, you know, Netflix talk about they want the 16-year-old Johnny in Texas to become a new, you know, fan of F1, like the same with cricket. And that made me connect with the sport. And, it's, and I will hold my hands up and you already know this is not my, my favourite sport cricket from that perspective, but it made me appreciate what a, a person was doing what an athlete does what they have to go through hearing that sort of side of it the question i'm trying to get to you here is is that you've had an england cricket team with flintoff and peterson that had a massive connection to the public through a sort of broadcast linear era where you probably look at it now in 2021 where you'd be like there's no way they'd get away with that being on a tour bus and sort of being themselves and the way freddie was but it was authentic and it was to who they were you then had sort of that edge kind of as the highlight and you know looking at a documentary side of things and traveling with the team and giving that aspect to know what happened with the australia cricket team as well and my question to you now 2021 we're going into an ashes with obviously you sort of leading it from that perspective how do you see it do you see to everything you've just said there with social platforms in an ideal world is it social sits there with your day-to-day the players showing you what's going on that that side and then your amazons your netflix your ecb.co.uk sitting there as sort of telling the story is that the sort of ideal world that we kind of go into in the next few years i still really like the old i don't know if it's old anymore i really like youtube's original um hero hub hygiene model i don't know how much you guys um are aware of that but it is what it sounds like it's You've got your your hygiene content, which is your day-to-day, it's your training, your matches, all that kind of stuff. Um, then your next level up in your triangle is your hub content, which is behind-the-scenes access, um, chain game, bit of fun, that kind of stuff. Um, mini documentaries, maybe sort of three, five-minute commercial content. And then your hero is your one or two a year, maybe not even that your big all singing, all dancing, how are we going to really tell this story and how with your hygiene and your hero and your hub content, you're targeting your core audiences. With your hero content, you're trying to create something that will reach a wider audience that's outside your normal audience. Um, which is why Drive to Survive, which you mentioned, is so good because what it's done is it's helped F1 reach an audience that isn't its usual audience because I'm not an F1 fan, but I watched it and I loved it. And now, now I'm watching more F1. And this year, this season in F1's been the best season for ages as well. Um, so for us, we're always challenging ourselves. How can we create a hero video that reaches beyond our usual audience? Um, and it doesn't have to be a 90 minute documentary or a film as much as we'd love to make those or 
Um, it could be something like the weight. It could be using Stephen Fry and connecting with people. That was during COVID, so connecting with people around around COVID and broader issues and just cricket. Um, or it could be a four-part se- one, one We're before the Ashes. We're going to launch a four-part series. The videos are going to be 10 to 15 minutes each, but daily videos, 10 minutes each, that really connect with connect with an audience so um there are always different ways to slice it um but i think for most sports there's an opportunity there yeah football lives in its own world because it's the biggest sport in the world everyone watches it uh man united do not need a new audience uh, and they're not competing so much as they are competing but not as much as us with video games, new sports, UFC and the like, which they, we have to see them as our competitors. And we need to we need to try and convince people to pick up a cricket kids and parents for their kids to pick up a cricket bat, not play a computer game. Um, so that's a challenge for us. And it's how we who, who our audience are with that with that style of content and how we're trying to connect with them. Um, ideal world, we would have an Amazon film or a Netflix film. Um, so the, there's, the nothing, there's, there's nothing coming for the Ashes then? We might do. We have to win it first. <laughs> <laughs> so we, uh, we, there's actually um, Whisper, who you probably know. Um, so they're, they're creating a couple of films for us. Um, and potentially we will have something on the last year on the Ashes. But uh, we kind of need to wait to see how that story evolves. But we're... There'll definitely be something coming out soon on the World Cup team. Um, ben Stokes is making a documentary uh, on his life at the moment, which obviously for him it's been quite a wild year, so um, and a lot been going on. So hopefully that's the kind of thing. You know, we think about. I don't want to preempt it, but hopefully something like that that can connect with people who aren't just cricket fans as well, because it can be about life um, and not just the sport. So there. are there's things going on, there are opportunities there, um, but I'm not really in a position to give much away. <laughs> so the final thing on this podcast, every single week we have the moose of the week and we have your favourite piece or best piece of content by an athlete, sports, whatever it is. What is yours this week, Greg? Alex, as you know, I'm here to promote the game, so I'm going to choose cricket. Um, uh, we've mentioned the triangle of positivity uh, I think Brody had been blinding. On, I've told him this as well. I think he's been blinding on Instagram this week in particular. It's been a bit tongue in cheek, but also that's his humour, um, which is, as we were saying, Charlie Alex, that's what you want players to just be themselves. And I think quite a lot of his audience on Instagram don't get it, which makes me laugh even more. Um, but the players are having a lot of fun with that. Um, and Jack Leach in particular. Um, and the thing is, I think. One thing I really want with our players is for them to be able to laugh because laughter does more for any of us than anything. Um, and we're also, we take sports so seriously. And, you know, one of the things with our team is to remember we're here to have fun. This is, the, this is what you dreamed of when you were nine, 10 years old. So enjoy it. Um, Jack Leach was cycling on a cushion in the gym earlier this week, Jimmy Anderson took a video of it. Um, and Jack 
Jack posted posted a photo of him competing in a cycling race against you know, I can't remember Chris Hoy or whoever with this little cushion on his bum. Um, and it's just the kind of thing where you see memes on Twitter in particular, in particular, um, but you rarely see athletes actually engaging and being a bit self-deprecating and having a bit of fun with this kind of content. A lot because their their man their socials are managed. Um, but from from our point of view and from my point of view, to see the players actually trying to laugh, to connect with each other and with the audience. And to have some fun with it um, has actually been really pleasing because um, it's the kind of content that you can't try, you can't post on a brand account because it doesn't work because you're trying too hard. Uh, but when they've done it, it's worked really, really nicely and they're all having fun with it and the triangle of positivity, they're posting coffee and Netflix and sun, sun cream and the like. Um, and I think the other thing with that is from a cricket point of view, it's actually quite insightful because it shows you what life a little glimmer of what life's actually like when the team's on tour as well. Um, and that's what people want to see. I mean, how often do you see a footballer post in their hotel room before night before a game or the journey or anything like that? Very, very rarely. And one of the great things about cricket and this team is they try and give as much access as possible to show to show people what's going on. And other sports do it better than us, by the way. Um, but they try and they try and open the curtain as much as possible, and I'd encourage them to keep doing that. No, it's been it's been fascinating to hear from you, Greg, from the side of you just saying it even there, and you can hear it in how genuine it is of what you're trying to encourage for the players as well. Um, but also from an ECB perspective, where you're trying to take it, and um, massively appreciate you coming on all the way from the Gold Coast. We're only into our third week, and we've already got someone on the other side of the world joining us. So. <laughs> Think we've done all right we'll see, see how we get on but um no mate thank you so much for coming on and um yeah in uh, i'm just that tan already is what two three days in so is it burn or tan i think i think by january you'll be you'll be all right but yeah we might have to uh, we might have to catch up with you in january and see how you're getting on then and then we'll just a few days in the shade for me i think now yeah we'll have winter jackets <laughs> on and ski goggles at that point but no mate thank you so much for coming on Re really appreciate it and um yeah, best of luck, obviously, for the Ashes. Obviously, hoping for a win and really excited to see loads more content to come as well. Cheers, Jens. Thank you so much. So thanks again for Greg coming on this week's Moose Review. Really interesting stuff. We did say we're going to talk a little bit less about football and getting Greg on was the perfect guest to talk a little bit more about the upcoming Ashes. It was good that, Charlie, wasn't it? Yeah, no, mass, and he's he, Greg is a massive football fan, so for him to not even talk about top, his beloved uh, <laughs> and how bad they're doing, but he, no, to get to to have a preview towards the Ashes from the head of digital for ECB and where he sort of sees it, I found that fascinating. And and again, he sort of again highlighted the authenticity of athletes and where that comes from, but also with the social media platforms and obviously the the importance of a website and from a, an organisation perspective of of driving you know ticket sales and growing an audience and i really really enjoyed that and uh again massive thanks to greg yeah massive thanks to greg and um, if you are watching on youtube make sure you are liking sharing and subscribing to this video if you're listening to it leave us a review share it to someone else do whatever you can but that's been the move review episode three and we'll see you in the next one